Would you turn to the 65th Psalm? Psalm 65. This is always, uh, I guess I got 150 favorite psalms, but this has always been one of my favorites. Psalm 150, or Psalm 65. Praise waiteth for thee, O God, in Zion, and unto thee shall the vow be performed. O thou that hearest prayer, Unto thee shall all flesh come. Iniquities prevail against me. As for our transgressions, thou shalt purge them away. Blessed is the man whom thou choosest and causest to approach unto thee that he may dwell in thy courts. We shall be satisfied with the goodness of thy house, even of thy holy temple. By terrible things in righteousness wilt thou answer us, O God of our salvation, who art the confidence of all the ends of the earth and of them that are afar off upon the sea, which by his strength setteth fast the mountains being girded with power, which stilleth the noise of the seas, the noise of their waves and the tumult of the people. They also that dwell in the uttermost parts are afraid at thy tokens. Thou makest the outgoings of the morning and evening to rejoice. Thou visitest the earth and waterest it, Thou greatly enrichest it with the river of God, which is full of water. Thou preparest them corn when thou hast so provided for it. Thou waterest the ridges thereof abundantly. Thou settlest the furrows thereof. Thou makest it soft with showers. Thou blessest the springing thereof. Thou crownest the year with thy goodness and thy paths drop fatness. They drop upon the pastures of the wilderness, and the little hills rejoice on every side. The pastures are clothed with flocks. The valleys also are covered over with corn. They shout for joy. They also sing. Let's pray. Lord, how we thank you for your word, how we thank you for who you are, how we thank you for your way of salvation, how we thank you for all things. Lord, we're so glad that you're God and beside thee is none else. And we would worship you. We would come into your presence in the name of thy son. Lord, grant us a word from you. Forgive us of our many sins for Christ's sake. 
Give us grace to love you more, to love one another more. Be with all your people wherever they meet together. Be with our friends that aren't here. We ask that you would keep them by your grace. Meet each need according to your will. In Christ's name we pray. Praise waiteth for thee, O God. And my marginal reading says, praise is silent before thee. Praise is silent before thee. Now this psalm ends up in verse 13, the pastures are clothed with flocks, the valleys also are covered over with corn, they shout for joy, (laughs) they sing. It begins, praise is silent before thee, it ends with shouting for joy and praise. Now, this psalm speaks first of all of what true praise is. It's silent before God. The most true praise that comes from the heart doesn't have anything to say. Indeed, what would you say? In the presence of God's transcendent glory, what words are appropriate that come from us? One of the reasons I love uh, the hymn, uh, O Sacred Head Now Wounded, I love that phrase, what language can I borrow to thank thee, dearest friend. I can't come up with proper words, and neither can anybody else. The most pure praise, and even it's impure it's only accepted because of the lord jesus christ but the most pure praise the highest praise is silent praise what words can i come up with to describe him praise waiteth for thee O god in zion in the church And unto thee shall the vow be performed. Now what's he talking about? Unto thee shall the vow be performed. Is is the psalmist saying, I'm going to keep my promises and I'm going to perform what I vowed? He doesn't say that. He says, unto thee shall the vow, vow be performed. And he's talking about that vow that the Lord Jesus made as our surety. He said, Lo, I come. In the volume of the book it's written of me, I delight to do thy will, O God. Now the vow being spoken of is when Christ vowed to be my Savior before time began and take full responsibility for my salvation. Isn't that a precious thought? That you were in the Lord's heart before you were ever born, before time began. And he made a vow to save you when the Father gave you to him. Now that's the vow being spoken of. Now look what he says in verse 2. O thou that hearest prayer. What a name for our God. 
He is the one who hears prayer. When I pray to him, and I pray only through the son, his son, but when I pray to him, he hears. The God of glory hears me. You see, our prayers are presented to him through the intercession of Christ, our great high priest. And they come to him as a sweet-smelling savor. What a name for our God. O thou that hearest prayer, unto thee shall all flesh come. Now here's the scripture that I thought of when I thought of that statement. The Lord said concerning himself, Thou hast given him power over all flesh. That he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. Now, whether you're a believer or an unbeliever, you're his. I love thinking that. It doesn't mean you're saved, but you're under his control. You're under his. He's Lord of the dead and the living, according to Romans 14, 9. He's the Lord of the dead and the living. Whatever is happening, remember, the Lord's got his hook in their nose. I don't care what current event is taking place. The Lord is in control of all flesh. His will is being done. He's in absolute control. Unto thee shall all flesh come. Now look what he says in verse 3. Iniquities prevail against me. My marginal reading says matters of iniquities. And you know what he's saying in his own experience? Sin's beat me. Sin is prevailing against me. It's knocking me backwards. Now that's what he's saying. Iniquities prevail against me. And you know, I thought about this verse of scripture. And I thought in my own experience, if my salvation was dependent upon me being able to defeat any one sin, I would have no hope. Now this is David speaking under the inspiration of God the Holy Spirit, and he's being honest before God. He's speaking to God. And he says, with regard to his own experience, iniquities prevail against me. As for our transgressions, thou shalt purge them away. Same verse. Iniquities prevail. I'm getting defeated. As for our transgressions, those iniquities that prevail against me, thou shalt purge them away away. All those iniquities that seem to prevail, Christ took care of them. Thou shalt purge them away when he had by himself purged our sins. Verse 4. Before I go on, I wanted to say this in the introduction, and I didn't. This psalm can 
be divided into three parts. Praise the Lord for his grace. Praise the Lord for his power. Praise the Lord for his plenty. Now, he's still in the midst of praising the Lord for his grace. And look what he says in verse 4. Blessed is the man whom thou choosest. Did David believe in election? Oh, yeah. Just like every other believer believes election. David did. Blessed is the man whom thou choosest and causest to approach unto thee, that he may dwell in thy courts. We shall be satisfied with the goodness of thy house, even of thy holy temple. Now, this is a blessed statement with regard to the election of grace. Blessed is the man whom thou choosest. You know, the Lord looked at his disciples in John chapter 15, verse 16, and he said, in no uncertain terms, you did not choose me, but I chose you. If you're a believer, you know that is so. You know it from the scriptures and you know it from your own experience. You know you would never choose him. You know you would always take the wrong direction. But thank God he chose you. <laughs> Ephesians 1.4 says, According as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world. Who chose who? He chose us. When was this choice made? Before the foundation of the world. Not because he foresaw we would believe. I hate it when people say that. Try to turn God into a time traveler. You know, he traveled through the quarters of time he could see and he saw who would believe and chose a moment. No. No, unconditional election. Blessed, how blessed by God is the man whom thou choosest. Uh, why did he choose them? To the praise of the glory of his grace. If you look in that passage of scripture, that's his reason for choosing you, to glorify his grace. Now, in him choosing you, does it glorify his grace? Oh, yes. What? It just magnifies his grace. Uh, how did he choose us? According as he hath chosen us in him. God's elect have never been viewed independently of Jesus Christ the Lord. Election. I love election. Somebody says, I don't like it. I do. Because it glorifies God. It shows that he is God beside him as none else. Election is God being God. That's, that's the best way to define election. It's God being God. God that's God indeed, not uh, God in title. I love the way David says this. Blessed is the man whom thou choosest. And here's a result of him choosing anybody. He causes us. Causes. Do you, do you like that word? He causes. His grace causes me. 
to approach unto him. I would not do it did he not cause me. I don't know how many times I've heard people say, well, what you're preaching just makes me in robots. Um, no, it doesn't, but I'm not sure that's not a bad, uh, I kind of want to be his robot, don't you? I'd like for him to just cause me to always do his will. I would like for him to cause me by grace to cause me to believe, to cause me to repent, to cause me to come to him. And isn't that what the Lord says when he says in John 6, no man can come to me except the father which has sent me draw him. Now that's a strong language. It's uh, it, it means literally drag. Now I want to be drugged by him with my full consent, don't you? I want to be drugged by him with my full consent. And notice the language. Blessed is the man whom thou choosest and causest to approach unto thee, coming to Christ, that he may dwell in thy courts. Now what that means is to abide in Christ. I want to just simply, the only place I want to be, my home, is to be in Christ. I want to stay there. I don't want to go outside of it. Don't find any desire to be anywhere but in him, dwelling in his courts. Like David said in Psalm, hold your finger there and turn to Psalm 27. Verse 4, one thing have I desired of the Lord that I may seek after that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. To behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. Now, I remember reading that verse when I was a young boy. And I thought, that'd be boring to be in the house all the time. I mean, I'd like to go out and do something. Well, that's, of course, I didn't understand. That's talking about abiding in Christ. Simply being found in him. Back to our text in Psalm 64. We shall be satisfied with the goodness of thy house. The goodness. Don't miss this. When Moses said, show me your glory. Can you say that? Lord, show me your glory. Show me what you say is your glory. Not what the preacher says or what a church says or a denomination says, but what do you say is your glory. He replied, I'll make all my goodness pass before thee. I'll proclaim the name of the Lord before thee, and I'll be gracious to whom I will be gracious. Oh, his goodness is his grace. Now, he's gracious to whom he will be gracious. Somebody says, well, you ought to be gracious to everybody. You don't say what he ought to do. What he does is glorious, perfect, and right. And you've entered a place you have no business when you start saying, well, this is what I think he ought to do. He's God. What he does is right. Bow. Bow. That's the only thing to say. Bow. Bow down before him. He's God. And um, we'll be satisfied with the goodness of thy house, even of thy holy temple. Verse 5. By terrible things in righteousness Wilt thou answer us, O God of our 
salvation. Now, this grace is righteous grace. This is not God just sweeping our sins under the carpet and looking the other way and not holding us accountable. God's grace is righteous grace. Any sin I've committed, he has righteously punished in the person of his son. And his righteousness demands my salvation because Christ made me righteous before God. And it's a righteous salvation. You know, the gospel is a declaration of the righteousness of God, isn't it? Yes, it's his grace. Yes, it's his mercy. Yes, it's his kindness. But first, it's his righteousness. Romans 1, 16 and 17. Listen to this scripture. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it's the power of God and to salvation to everyone that believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein, in the gospel, is the righteousness of God revealed. The very righteousness, the perfect, absolute righteousness of God demands the salvation of everybody that Jesus Christ died for. Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. Oh, he's praising God for his righteous grace, his sovereign grace. By verse 5, by terrible things and righteousness wilt thou answer us, O God of our salvation, who art the confidence of all the ends of the earth, and them that are afar off upon the sea. Now, what a gracious God he is. He's confidence to the ends, the people furthest away, the people that can't get to him. He comes to them. Aren't you thankful for that? He comes to them. You need to come to Christ. Yeah, I do. But I need him to come to me. He comes to me, I'll come to him. Like the um, Shulamite said, draw us and we'll run after thee. We say the same thing, don't we? Draw me to yourself completely. I'll run after thee. Uh, he's the confidence of the ends of the earth, those that are far off. Now, look in verse 6. Now he's going to start praising the Lord for his strength. Because what good would his grace do if he didn't have the strength to make sure whatever his grace purpose came to pass? Now he's talking about his strength, which by his strength, his omnipotence, setteth fast the mountains. Being girded with power. His grace could not come to pass without his omnipotence to execute it. What good would grace be if there was not omnipotence? And now David praises him for his power. 
which by his strength setteth fast the mountains. Now somebody says, now anybody knows that the reason there's mountains is because tectonic plates collide, they go up, and there we have the mountains. Yeah? Whose power caused that? That's the power of God that brought forth the mountains. Yes, the tech, I think I'm tectonic. Is that the way you say it? Okay. Uh, yes, those plates collided. Up comes the Himalayas. Up comes the Rockies. But it's the power of God that does this. Which by his strength setteth fast the mountains, being girded with power, which stilleth the noise of the seas. You remember the way the seas were raging, the storm, and Christ said, Peace, be still. And the scripture says there was a great calm. Only God can do that. Which stilleth the noise of the seas, the noise of the waves, and the tumult of the people. Whatever tumults are going on, he's in control of. You know, every day, uh, I'm always anxious to read about what's going on in the Ukraine. That's just, you know, I, I... But what I love knowing is that everybody is in the Lord's hands and he stills the tumult according to his will. And his hook is in the nose of Putin and everybody else. And he is in control of everything, the tumult in your life, whatever it is. He's in absolute control of it. Remember, he's gracious. Yes, he's all powerful, but it's the all power of one who is gracious he stills the tumult of the people. Verse 8, They also that dwell in the uttermost parts are afraid at thy tokens, the tokens of your power. Thou makest the outgoings of the morning and evening to rejoice. Now, I love thinking about this, the, out, the morning and the evening. Time and space. Everything in time, morning and evening, he's in control of everything in space. Whatever, wherever there's matter, He's in control of it. He dwells outside of it. Time and space are his. He's in absolute, sovereign, powerful control. Don't you love his power? You bow before his power, and you love his power because it's his, it's, it's his power that causes you to be saved. It's his power that put away your sins. It's his power that makes you acceptable before him. All if he didn't have the power to execute whatever he willed to take place, it wouldn't take place. But David is celebrating his power. Look at the way he celebrates his plenty. We've talked of, he's praised his grace, he's praised his power, and now he praises his plenty. Now understand this, God is a generous God. Oh, he's, he's so generous. John Newton wrote, Come, my soul, thy suit prepare. Jesus loves to answer prayer. He himself has bid thee pray, therefore will not say thee nay. Thou art coming to a king, large petitions with thee bring. For his grace and power are such that none can ever ask too much. Now let's read of his plenty. Verse 9, thou visitest the earth. 
and waterest it. Thou greatly enrichest it with the river of God, which is full of water. Thou preparest them corn when thou hast so provided it. Look at God's generous way upon the earth. And this represents how generous he is with his people, watering them. The waters of his grace, the rain of his grace that comes down. He's so generous, he's so glorious. Thou visitest the earth, waterest it, if thou greatly enrichest it with the river of God, which is full of water. Thou preparest them corn when thou hast so provided it. Everything you need he provides. Thou waterest the ridges, verse 10, thereof abundantly. Thou settlest the furrows thereof. Thou makest it soft with showers. Thou blessest the springing thereof. Now we have this beautiful picture in our mind. But I love the way the Lord, if the Lord left you to yourself, what would happen? Your heart would harden. Every time. He doesn't have to do anything to harden your heart. All he's got to do is leave you alone. And your heart will be hard as granite. And you know that. But he softens the heart with the rain of his grace. You know the reason why your heart cries out to him? He softened your heart. He softens the heart with the rain of his grace. Thou waterest the ridges thereof abundantly. Thou settlest the furrows thereof. Thou makest it soft with showers. Thou blessest the springing thereof. Thou crownest the year with thy goodness. And they and thy past drop fatness. Now everything in the year. You, you may have had a horrible year, humanly speaking. But it's God's goodness. He's good all the time. Whatever it may be, he is good all the time. And whatever he sent you has been for your good. The scripture says, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. He crowns the year, uh, everything that takes place in time, he's in control of. Aren't you thankful that the Lord is absolute in all of his attributes? He He has absolute sovereignty. Predestination is absolute. Absolute. There's nothing that... Predestination is unto salvation, but everything that happens, the Lord said, there's not a sparrow that falls to the ground without your heavenly Father. All the hairs of your head are numbered by Him. He has absolute control. And I'm thankful. He's good. He's so good to me. What about when this, he's so good to me. What about when that terrible thing took place? He's so good to me. You believe that? The goodness of God leads thee to repentance, to a complete change of mind concerning who he is and who you are and how he saves. He's good. 
Thou crownest the year with thy goodness, and thy paths drop fatness. They drop into the pastures of the wilderness. The little hills rejoice on every side. Rejoice always, Paul said. Again, I say, rejoice. The pastures are clothed with flocks. The valleys also are covered over with corn. They shout for joy. They sing. Now, I love the way this psalm ends. Um, Praise is silent before thee. And you know what silent praise does? It shouts for joy. It sings. Amen.